Did you know you can prevent the primary complaint in your campus? Anytime you seek to improve a school, what's the one link that teachers will say is missing? Anytime you make positive changes, second order changes, what's the primary complaint from teachers? If you say communication, you are right. Hey, this is Matt, and you're listening to the Math Boss Mashup. Welcome to episode seven, and today we are talking communication. Thank you for listening. I'm deeply humbled that you've chosen to spend this time with me, and I want to jump right into it. In the 1960s, a federal research study was published that examined what makes for effective schools. A major finding was the role family backgrounds played in a school's success. The major fault with their findings was the direct correlation that the phrase family background had with a family's socioeconomic status. This prompted researchers to seek out schools that had great success in spite of the community's economic well-being. It's known as the Effective Schools Research. Their findings are really groundbreaking even today. The Effective Schools Research gathered and published peer-reviewed data for decades, beginning in the 1960s. They consistently find through the decades that schools can impact student learning drastically. And you're probably thinking, yeah, that's a no-brainer. It is, but this means that students can learn at high levels regardless of family or community background. And even standardized testing data today correlates to family economic well-being. However, effective school research looks at those schools that perform high regardless of the economic well-being of the community. The research found common traits in these schools, and these traits are called the correlates of effective schools. I'm sure you're aware of them. So quickly, what are the correlates of effective schools? There are seven of them. In the latest update of the research, Dr. Lawrence Lazote and Kathleen Snyder do an amazing job of redefining the correlates of effective schools. Their work is truly amazing, and these are the seven correlates. Number one, high expectations for student success. Number two, strong instructional leadership. Number three, clear and focused mission. Four, opportunity to learn, time on task. Five, frequent monitoring of student progress. Six, safe and orderly environment. And seven, positive home school relations. You can quickly notice that none of these correlates have to do with the economic well-being of the community. And that's the groundbreaking aspect of the research. However, there is something largely missing in this research. And the reason they're called correlates and not causes is because putting these seven traits in place on a campus does not create school success. You have a higher chance, a likelihood. You're statistically geared towards possibly having success, but there is one major missing attribute in these correlates. And before we get into that, let me paint a quick picture of the correlates. Picture with me for a moment an engine. 
a Ford engine, a tractor engine, a GM or a Yamaha, whatever it may be, metallic, brute machine full of parts and bolts. And you can sense the, the power, the horsepower, whether it's battery powered or, or nitrogen powered or, or gasoline powered. You can see this engine. Your skull is much like the engine. And the seven correlates each are the major components of that engine, the pistons and the air intake. The seven correlates, without them, you don't have an engine. You don't have the machine that makes the movement happen. However, you can have the finest engine in the world, a Mercedes or a BMW engine that runs like a purring cat. If the fluids do not get to all the parts, the engine will freeze. The oil has to be in place. The coolant, the water, all of the fluids must move quickly through that engine to make sure it does not grind to a halt. And there's only one way to get fluids throughout the engine, and that's the conduits, the pipes and hoses that carry the fluids. Here's the key. Communication is the conduit of your skull. I came across some research a few years ago, I believe it was in my master's degree thesis, about communication being the one complaint that continually rises when there's change that occurs. I was doing a lot of change work in a campus and I decided, let's test this out. So we asked the teachers about communication. And would you believe the more improvements we made, the more changes we made, the higher the complaint ratio was for a lack of communication. The more an engine runs, the higher the performance that engine is, the clearer and the faster that communication has to pour through the working parts to cool it, to grease it, and to make sure it functions properly. So what do we do? I can tell you, a memo each week is not enough. Here are five quick ideas on how to increase the communication in your school to make sure your engine runs properly. Number one, at the beginning of every face-to-face -face meeting or a digital face-to-face -face meeting, we're gonna review key concepts of the school, the mission, the vision, the objectives and goals, so that we're continually talking about the direction that we're going. Number two, at the end of each meeting, always leave room to talk about communication. How will these decisions be communicated? What steps do we need to take for communication? Who's gonna be responsible for the email, for the remind, for the tweet, for the Facebook post? Who's gonna take charge of these various aspects of communication? Who's gonna add it to the monthly newsletter? Who's gonna put it in the weekly memo? That's the end of every meeting to make sure the communication is flowing smoothly. Number three, quick two-minute meetings. Information dissemination does not belong in ideation or decision-making meetings. Information dissemination belongs in your quick two-minute meetings that you hold with your teams. Third grade team, we're going to meet with you two minutes before school starts, and we're going to disseminate this week's information. Social studies department, we're going to meet two minutes at the beginning of your conference 
And I want to talk about next week's plans. Number four, redundancy. If it's worth communicating, it's worth repeating. After the face-to-face, -face, there's an email. After the email, there's an announcement. After the announcement, there's a memo, there's a newsletter. It gets redundancy in the system, just like the oils and the fluents have to continually go through the engine. And number five, emotion. Communication is not just transaction. Communication is about adding to the emotional connections that we make with our work, the meaningful work that we do. That means laughing, connecting, asking questions, and genuinely listening. That means when talking goals and objectives, we have passion behind it. We are driven by the goals and the purposes of our work. Communicating with emotion. That's just a list of five quick ideas. I want to leave you with a dozen more, and I'm going to point you to that here in a moment. Effective schools have high expectations, have a clear and focused mission. They are an engine that has powerful impact, but they do not work. They will freeze and lock up without communication. I don't want to leave you just yet. I have the dozen communication techniques for you at mafost.com slash mashup. M-A-F-O-S-T dot com slash mashup. If you enjoyed today's episode, please pass it along.